Well, let's look at 1 Corinthians 2, verse 13. We've been in a series called The Mind of Christ. It's been a couple weeks since we were on this. We had Easter, of course, last week. First Corinthians 2, verse 13, it says, These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. For he... Or for who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. Yeah, Ephesians 4, verse 23. It says, And be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness. And holiness. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Now we're going over some verses that we've gone over before, just uh, getting going to get everybody on the same page. In the NIV, verse 23 says, To be made new in the attitude of your mind. To be made new. If something's new, then it wasn't there before. If something's new, then it's different. In the Amplified Classic, it says, Be constantly renewed in the spirit of your mind, having a fresh mental and spiritual attitude. Something that's fresh, again, it's new. You know, if you've had a banana that's been sitting on the counter for three weeks, you wouldn't say, that's fresh. I don't know, what's the threshold where you can't even use it for, like, banana bread? Is that too long? I don't know. At some point... When we get to that point at our house, you know, we, we eat a good number of bananas. You know, we eat bananas like every day, uh, some degree. And sometimes you had too many bananas sitting on the counter, and then they start getting past that point where you don't really want to eat it. But you could use it in baking. And so we're like, okay, yeah, those are going to banana bread. We make banana bread. What? Well, I don't. Shelly makes banana bread. The kids are bad. I've never made banana bread in my life. But... Um, my life's not over. I may at some point make banana bread, but just haven't yet. But at some point, you hit the point where, okay, you don't want to eat it. I would not call that fresh, but you could still use it for something. But you wouldn't go, oh, wow, you pull something that's been sitting in the refrigerator for past its expiration date. You don't go, ooh, yeah, this is fresh. You go, ooh, okay, we're going to throw that away. So when you say, when it says here, having a fresh mental attitude, that's not the same thing that's been in your mind for 20 years. You're going to try to run that same thing and call it fresh, but really it's the same thing that you've been doing. When, it, when we're going to have a fresh mental attitude, renewed mind, new attitude, that's something that you haven't had before. And that is really a key, is that if we want to have different results, if we want to walk in ways that we haven't before, then we need to have different thoughts, which are going to lead to different behaviors. 
it's not just a matter, sometimes we want to run the same thoughts, but we're just going to try harder. But we're just approaching it the same way over and over, but, and we're just saying, well, it's a matter of my will. Well, maybe if we thought differently, we wouldn't, it's not so much a matter of the will. Maybe it's just, wait a minute, you know, you can think about the way you use certain tools. You could have, you know, trying to, to uh, cut through a piece of wood with a butter knife, you may never be able to do it, but you may think it's possible, or if you, you got a steak knife, but you're like trying to saw it, and you're thinking, if I just give it more muscle, I'm going to go back, and you come in after two hours, you're like, oh, that's a, that's a, hard, that's a hard piece of wood to saw. What are you using? Well, the butter knife. Well, I'm going to go. I'm going to give her another run. I just got to get, you know, some refreshment. I'm going to go. I'm going to hit it this time. We're going to get her done because I'm a hard worker. I work hard and I don't give up. Wish me well. I'm going back out, honey. Here we go. After two hours, you come in. Well, how far did you get? Well, I think I got another eighth of an inch off that thing. On the other hand, if you have a chainsaw... And you go pull that thing out and get the thing going, you can be through that wood no time flat. You, you, if you thought that the best way to do this thing was with a butter knife, you, you may never get the thing done. On the other hand, that doesn't mean you needed more muscle. It didn't mean you, need to, it didn't mean you needed to work harder. You just needed to think different and realize there's a different way to do this, and you could just, boom, this thing that you've been dealing with for 10 years, you're just like, that's gone? That, that's what I've been butting my head up against? Because I was thinking, it's got to be the butter knife. Got to be the butter. You know, you look at all, everything else, but no, this is the best thing. You thought that this is the way to go, but then you realize, wait a minute, there's better tools for this job. It's got to be something different. It's got to be new. It's got to be fresh. Let's look at Romans 12, too, just... Uh, we read this too, but Romans 12, 2 says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So we're going to be changed by the renewing of our mind. How we behave, how we act, what we get is going to start with how we look at things. You know, the I... The, the reality that Jesus is the Savior of all mankind and that we can believe on Him and trust in Him and that we can be saved, that's a thought. That's a God, you know, somebody may have never heard that before. Well, that's just what somebody may, I, I don't know, really? But when the thought gets introduced, now something is possible that wasn't before you could be saved. It's the same thing with every other part that we can, we can, be renewed, have our minds changed by the, the Word of God, and now things that used to concern us, things that used to be very difficult, suddenly we can sidestep, we can change, we can go a different direction, and we don't deal with the same thing anymore. Used to, but don't. So we've talked about different aspects of this and uh, spent some time on the fact that we're going to change our minds little by little. 
and take, take ground and take uh, steps and uh, get free of things and, and walk more in God's ways. And the last time we were talking about the fact that we're going to have thoughts that come against our thinking. You know, so we have to change our thinking, but then as you've changed your thinking, you will have challenges to that thinking that's been renewed. Satan will challenge you. He will come against and try to take back the ground that you've taken. Doesn't matter if you've had the ground for a long time. Doesn't matter if it's, it's something that you just got into. You, you, just, you, you renewed your mind. You're starting to experience things you hadn't. He will challenge that. And we talked some about, about how to deal with that. And I want to go further in that today. Let's look at 2 Corinthians 10 verse 4. It says, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedience, o- obedient to Christ. So we have arguments, we have things that come and exalt itself against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought. So we talked a lot about that last time, those thoughts coming in. And what do you do with them? Well, you cast them down. A thought that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, you cast it down. Let's look at uh, this in a few more versions. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 5 in the Amplified Classic. It says, Inasmuch as we refute arguments and theories and reasonings and every proud and lofty thing that sets itself up against the true knowledge of God, and we lead every thought and purpose uh, away captive into the obedience of Christ, the Messiah the anointed one. So we take theories, arguments, reasonings, anything proud and lofty that would set itself up against the knowledge of God, and we lead it away captive. That means we take it and we do something with it. In other words, we don't let it just stay in our minds. We don't let everything that uh, comes into our minds, we don't assume that it's God, number one. We don't assume it's true. We don't assume that it's just our thought. We have to actively filter thoughts and, and, and like, like we mentioned, say, so who said that? Ask yourself, when there's a thought, where did that come from? Is it a godly thought? A godly thought will bring peace. Something that's from the enemy will cause stress, it will cause anxiety, it will cause fear. If you find that there's thoughts that are causing those things, they are not godly. You say it can't be that easy. It is that easy. Because even people, see religion has brainwashed us to where people expect God to beat you up. If you feel guilty, well maybe that's God because God makes you feel guilty. That's not true. The Bible says your own conscience will bother you if you sin, but what people associate with that sometimes is condemnation, which does not come from God, it comes from the devil. God will prompt you, and you'll know you did something wrong, but he won't say, and you're going on the trash heap because of it. He'll prompt you, you need to get right, you need to go on the right path, but there's hope. There's always hope with God. If you just repent, I mean, look at Israel. They just kept doing the same dumb stuff over and over. God would save them, they would say they'd be good for a little while, and then they would go and just do dumb stuff. 
but God, if they would repent, they always got saved. They always came back. Now, that's not the best way to live. You know, sometimes we read that and we're like, come on, just get with the program. Well, we need to look at sometimes our life and realize we're not that much different. We, we often are doing this. There's no reason throwing stones. We, sh- we should just say, okay, so I don't want to do that. Where in my life am I doing that? And I need to change. But the, bot- but the point is, it's not God's will then. If he was going to beat him, I mean, he did... At, it was the old covenant, you know, it's like, come on, people, get with it. You are testing my patience. But we live in the age of grace. And like Jesus, his disciples came and said, how, they said, how many times should I forgive my brother? Seven times good? And, they, and he was like, 70 times seven. If, if God is telling, if Jesus is telling the disciples that, then how much more? Is he not going to do what he told people to do? Well, of course. That doesn't mean you go and try to do the wrong thing. But people have associated guilt and condemnation with religion. And there are religions that just basically you feel guilty all the time. Now, surely you've done something wrong. I heard somebody say, and if you didn't, you know, they, they, they practice a form of confession. The Bible does talk about confessing your sins, but you don't have to go, you know, uh, formally and confess your sins to somebody, and that's not... It's not necessarily what the Bible talks about. It does say confess your sins to one another, but you having a formality to go do it is not what it's talking about. But, you know, or people talk about if they had to go to this and they didn't have something specifically they did wrong, I mean, you've got to bring something to the confession. So, like, say something that you felt like you did wrong. That's a bad place to be. <laughs> then you're, you're basically looking at what you do wrong all the time, so you can feel bad. And so then if something, there's a bad thought that makes you feel guilty, you're like, well, that's probably God. That's not God. God doesn't do that all the time. If we really, if it's really God's speaking to us, then it's going to be hope with it. To be like, okay, you missed it here, but, and move on. So we need to know that as thoughts come up, where is it coming from? And what do I do with it? If you know where it's coming from, that tells you a lot about wh- how you're going to react. If it's God, you receive it, you go on. If, it were, if it's the Word, uh, then you're going to agree with it. If it's not, now you know you go into resist mode. If you think it's God and you're opening the door when really you should be resisting it because it's not God, that's a big difference. So we need to identify you know, thoughts that you have that are just rep- that they came up from a long time ago and you know it's you couldn't necessarily say that all evil thoughts are have their origination with the devil okay but it's not necessarily the devil has to give it to you every time because it's like a wind-up toy if he gets you going <laughs> over a long period of time he doesn't have to keep the pushing it it just just keeps going you have the thoughts now in your head it really is your thought popping up but it was based on a lie that the devil prompted you with. Now, you still need to be like, wait a minute, that's not godly. I need to resist it. Yeah, but it was your own thought. Yeah, and it was wrong. And the more we go on with God, we're going to start seeing these things are wrong. And so the more we identify them, then we realize, wait a minute, i got to get rid of that. But I need to know what to do with thoughts. And when they're thoughts that are trying, we know, we've identified, we realize they're ungodly. But they're trying to hit you. 
What do you do when you've pushed back and you still feel like the thought's there? You stand. You stand your ground. You don't move. Look at Ephesians 6, verse 10. It says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. So right there, it's saying, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Not your might. Well, I'm just, I'm just going to do this with my ability and I'm going to shut the devil down and I'm going to grip my teeth and I might even yell because I'm serious. None of that has anything to do with shutting the devil down. That's more like, you're, if we do that, we're trying to get it in our strength. And it's not in our strength that we deal with these things. It's in God's strength. How are we going to refute arguments? How are we going to stand? It's going to be in the strength of God. Well, I just you say, I don't feel like, I, don't feel like I have anything more. My, my strength feels like it's giving out. Then we need to tap into His strength. That's part of the problem, because if we try to do everything in our strength, we will get worn out. Somebody said, well, I'm strong. Well, you just haven't bumped up against something maybe that's beyond what you think you can handle. Uh, we're not supposed to walk in our own strength. We're supposed to walk in His strength. It says, finally, my brethren, verse 10, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Verse 11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Verse 13, therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, stand. To stand. See, we have, as Christians, we spent a whole series talking about this, Victory over darkness. We have authority over Satan. He does not have the right to lord it over us as Christians. He does not have authority. But he's cunning. And we were talking about this in the context of renewing our mind and walking, and walking with our minds clear and our minds according to God's word. Satan will try to push you in your thoughts, give you ideas, push you in things that you're, you're walking according to the Word of God, you're taking ground, but he will try to push you to release and to go back to the way you were thinking before. He'll try to get you to buy his thoughts and get you to say, it doesn't work, it doesn't, it's not happening. Uh, Get you to give up. What do you do when you feel like you stood and you're pushing back, but you still have that stuff coming? You stand. You, you stand your ground. You push. Not in our own strength, but in His strength. We just do what the Word has said, what He's called us to do, what He said will work, and we just stand there, and we just stay. 
Brother Hagin talks about this. He, um, growing up, Brother Hagin, Kenneth E. Hagin Sr., came from a broken home. Uh, when his, his father left when he was like around six years old, and he didn't know his father very much. And his mother was trying to take care of four children. This is, you know, the 20s, 1920s. And trying to take care of four children and had a complete breakdown. Physical, mental, emotional breakdown. And they went to live with uh, her mother, Their, his grandparents on his mother's side. And so they lived with them, and she would go into a deep depression and not know what she was doing. And so Brother Hagen is six at this time, and his grandmother, you know, they had to uh, dry their clothes on a clothesline. You know, they didn't have washer and dryer like what we have. And so they would, she would have to go out and hang up the clothes. And so... She would position Kenneth Hagen as a six-year-old in the door to the kitchen. She was outside by the line. He was there and positioned him there to watch for his mom because his mom would go into these depressions, get to the place where she didn't know what she was doing, and try to go in the kitchen and get a butcher knife and kill herself. And he said that, that made quite an impression on a six-year-old. You imagine he is being positioned to do that for his mom. And so she was, she would, you know, get this way, and she saw a nerve specialist, and I get this person was in his area, a leading nerve specialist down in the Texas southwest area. And he was a Christian. He's well known he's a Christian, but he talked to her and he said, look, I'm just going to be honest with you. He goes, I'm going to tell you what, what you need to do. He goes, I'll give you a diet. You know, you, you're lacking some of these things, and that'll help you, but I'm going to put you on a diet. He goes, if you want to really take some, you gave her this over-the-counter thing. He goes, you know, without a prescription, you can do that. That'll help some. He goes, but the real thing that's going to help you, and he looked at this scripture. He turned to this scripture that, that we're looking at, Ephesians 6, 13. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. And he said, when those depressing thoughts come, because what would happen was, before she really just kind of didn't know what she's doing, there would be thoughts come to her. What, you know, about her life and how this stuff happened. And, you know, she, her husband left her and she's tried to, work with the children, and she's broken down, and she'd just start thinking about everything, and she would just start spiraling down and just get so depressed beside herself that she was just, didn't know what she was doing. And Brother Hagen said he talked to her years later. She lived to be about 80, and when she was about 79, he brought some stuff up you know, about these incidents when he would be watching for her. And she said, I would never do that. She goes, you know I would never kill my, I would never want to commit suicide. She didn't know what she was doing. She didn't remember it. She was so far 
just depressed and gone that she didn't even know what she was doing. But this doctor said, when you start having those thoughts come, how your husband had left and had to raise the children, all this stuff, you start talking to yourself and you stand your ground. And you just say, I refuse to be depressed. Say it. Now, this, this man was a medical doctor, but he obviously knew something about the power of confession, and he knew something about the Word of God. He knew enough to say what she needed to do. And she started doing that, and over time, she got completely free. She got to where she wasn't even depressed anymore. But what she did was when that was starting to come, she said, no, I will not be depressed. I will not do it. Do you know there is a lot, what I'm saying right now goes completely against what a lot of people in the world say. Now, there is so much about, uh, to the point that you can't control depression. I'm not making light of things, but they say there's nothing you can do about it. There's nothing you can do. In fact, the only thing you can do, you need medication. It's just, a, that's not true. Not making light of conditions, that there's certain conditions, but people need to understand there's a way out. It's not just a mental thing, it could be affected in the mental, but there is a pushback and there is an inflection point there where stuff comes and we have authority over our mind. Our mind is our mind. We control what we think on. We, do, we determine what's going to go through our mind. Now, Satan will try to convince us, you have no control. These thoughts are coming through, and you have no control. And it may feel like that, but that's because that's a pattern. And if we have those thoughts come, and this, this lady was suicidal. This lady literally tried to kill herself, went into such, but she got completely free. And whether it's that type of thing or whatever type of thoughts that we're dealing with in an area where it's a, something comes against us and we start thinking about it and it's starting to bring us a certain way, starting to tempt us with things, whatever the case may be, we can hold our ground. We can stand and say, no, no, I will not think that way and stand against it. Now, Satan will try to convince you there's no hope. You have no control. You have to go this way. But it's a lie. The Bible would not tell us to cast down thoughts if it could not be done. Is a suicidal thought, is that a godly thought or an ungodly thought? Of course, it's an ungodly thought. That would be something that is pushing against God, the truth of God. God is not telling anybody to kill themselves. 
God is not telling anybody that they'll never amount to anything. God is not telling somebody that you'll never have a decent job or that you'll never get married or any of these thoughts are not godly thoughts. It doesn't have to be suicidal. It could be just a despair thought of this will never happen. You'll never find the right one. You'll never find a good job. Whatever. Your, your health will never improve. Those are thoughts that they come in and they can push you into feeling depressed. If you, if, you look, if you look at the wrong thing, I don't care who you are, it will lead to you feeling down. But God's truth will bring us up. Now, I know some of these things that I'm saying, are, are go, 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 they go completely against what a lot of people say in the world now. People get mad at you for saying this. Oh, no, you can't control it. This is a condition. The Word of God is the Word of God, and I'm not making a light of any condition that people may be dealing with, but if we don't see what the truth is and what we can do with it, then we will just deal with the other results, and the world is dealing with a lot of the results. But in our situation, something tries to push on us, we can stand our ground and say, no, my mind is my mind. That is wrong. That may have triggered me to go down into this other area and start thinking these thoughts and be depressed or be angry or be whatever, but I am not going that way. I will stand against it. I am going to look at what God said and I will hold. You say, but it feels so real. We push back on it. Cast down the thoughts and say, no, that's not true. No, I refuse to give in to that. I will look at what God says. Look at Proverbs 4, verse 20. See, if we believe, there are ideas that are, are, they are lies from hell. And as those certain things gain traction in common culture, then if we believe the same way, then we won't see the way out. Because we'll take it for granted that this is right, and if I don't believe that I can push back, then my, my reaction is I have to deal with it and I have to, feel, I have to figure out a different way to cope because I don't, believe there's, I don't believe I can avoid it. It's like the butter knife. No, this is the way I have, this is the way, this is what everybody else is using the butter knife. So wait, there's, no really, there's really no way to get through the log because the butter knife just doesn't work and I've tried. It just doesn't work. I can't do it with it. I've tried, and I've worked really hard, but that's not the only way. God's Word works. God is not, He's not putting us in positions where we have to be in prison in our minds or prison to evil thoughts. That's not His way, ever. Proverbs 4, verse 20 says, 
My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Notice verse 22. They, my words, are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Well, that would include your mind. Their health. His words are health. You look at his words and what he said, they're health. Verse 23, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. He said, keep, give attention to my words. Give attention to my sayings. Give attention to what I've said you're to do. Give attention to my way of doing things. Because they are health. If you're going to give attention to his words, it means you're looking, at some, you're, you're looking away from something else. You're not looking, in other words, you don't look at what everybody else is saying and the way they're doing and the way they're getting results and then try to somehow straddle over and, well, I'll just try God's word. But, you know, this is probably really true. And, oh, you say, I can never have it. But God kind of says, no, we have to cut something off and say, wait a minute, that's not right. If it contradicts the word of God, it's not right. I believe what God's word says. I'm going to trust him. And I'm going to focus on that. It's not just about looking to his word. It's about looking away from other things. If I'm going to give attention to his word, that means I'm, giving, I'm not giving attention to something else. You know, when, I, uh, in every, you know, when you've studied for a test, if you're really going to study for the test, then that means you're not going to give attention to other things. Now, there is having somebody over, you know, when I was in college, hey, let's study for, let's come over and let's study together. What you really mean is we're kind of hanging out and we got our books open and we're sort of paying attention to it. The results you get with that kind of studying, nah. You know, you, you may be able to wing it, but it depends on how much you actually know that material and how hard the test is. But then there is studying where, and I've told you guys this, I actually like doing math. So there were certain classes where uh, I had math in college and literally would go to the library for three or four hours by myself and just do the problems. You know, they have the, 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 um, the answers in the back of the book for the odd questions for whatever reason. You know, that's like a standard. They'll put the, the, the questions, the answers, and so you just do all those and run them through and see how, if you get the right answer. And you're by yourself and you're really focusing and you're really studying. Then you're not hanging out with somebody. Not that you couldn't hang out with somebody. It's just distracting. I mean, if you're honest with yourself, you're like, yeah, we're, we're studying. No, no, we're not. We're, I'm not getting anything from this. To the degree that I, I, I push other things away and focus on the material is the degree that I'm really going to retain that material. Well, something, you know, we'll do this with God's Word, where, well, I, you know, I, I kind of know what it says, but I'm really looking up all the different things other people say about what I'm dealing with. But then I'm kind of looking at God's Word, but then I'm looking at, you know, this guy's got this paragraph, or he dealt with the same thing that kind of seems like symptoms of what I'm dealing with. So then I'm looking at all what he's dealing with, and 15 people are saying all, and I kind of look at God's Word, but not really. Well, what am I, what's going to be going around in my head? It's going to be what I'm paying attention to. But if I 
the more I cut stuff off that isn't God's Word, that isn't helping me, and focus on what He said, now that becomes bigger in my mind. And that becomes easier to focus on what He said and to reject the other stuff because I have it rolling around in me. It makes it easier to stand. The voices, when I, I say that figuratively, the, 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 what I've heard, what I've read, what, what I've digested that, that may counter God's Word diminishes the less I pay attention to it, the less I feed on it. The more I feed on God's Word, the more I focus on that, then the more I have the ability to push back and to stand. You know, if I'm reading about stuff that's just telling me, well, nothing I can do about it, nothing I can do about it, nothing I can do about it, and then I try to stand and push back, I'm going to be really tempted just to be like, well, this isn't going to work anyway. Yeah. It's not going to happen. Why? Because that's what I've been feeding. But if I'm looking at what God said and say, wait a minute, you told me I could do it. Your strength is sufficient. I'm not doing it in my own strength, but I am going to be strong in God's, God's strength, in Him and the power of His might. Now I'm just, I'm saying, I'm saying no. That has to go. No, thinking, I'm not going to think on those things. I will change my thoughts. Thought comes, it's impossible. No, it's not impossible. God did not tell me to do something that's impossible. I can be free. And I start meditating on the fact that I can, I, my thinking pattern can completely change, and whatever I'm dealing with, whatever spiral I've gone down, I can be free of it. I don't have to go down it again. could see something trying to, okay, these things are coming against my mind and that causes me to think about such and such and whatever. I could say, wait a minute, no, 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 not going there. I'm standing against it. No, not going to take another step down that road. Not gonna, it's not going to lead me anywhere anyway. That's not a godly thought. If it's bringing me down, then I know, I know. I said, I know it's not God. Anything that is doubt, depression, discouragement, those things are not God, ever, ever. So what do I know at that point? Do I, do I meditate on those thoughts if they're not of God, or do I know I need to resist them? I know I need to resist them. I know they're not going to do me any good. I know I push back and say, no, my thought, my thinking's not going that way. What if emotion tells you, oh, no, that, but tries to paint you a picture and tries to make you feel because feelings come with thoughts. Ever notice that? Not just a black and white, you know, thought. It is, you know, 4D. It, you thought the thought, but you got pictures and you don't just have pictures you got feelings fear loneliness frustration anger anxiety things that come with that thought that's trying to get you to say it's inevitable or i can't help it or what it's trying to to rattle you enough to accept the next step but we're not doing it in God's or in our own strength. We're doing it in God's strength. We look at it and say, Lord, you know, I know, I don't want to think like that anymore. I know that you, you have a different path for me. 
Lord, I need your strength right now. I know what to do. I know I need to resist it. Lord, help me right now. God, I believe. Help my unbelief. Lord, help me. I push back. Lord, I choose. The Bible says that He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. You feel like, I can't, I, I don't see how. But you say, Lord, with your help I can do it. Lord, you can help me right now. I push back. I choose to think on you. I choose to think on right. I choose to reject that. I know it's negative. I know it's bringing all these ungodly feelings and emotions, so I'm not letting it come. I'm thinking different. I'm pushing back. I will stand. I will hold. How long do you hold? You hold until... You stay strong. We stay against the, war, against the attack and you say, no, I will not yield. No, I believe God. God, you're right. You, you can praise God. You can th- get your mind where it needs to be. You were talking about things that you've taken ground, your mind is going in the right direction, but it's trying to pull you back. How do you keep from being pulled back? You stand and push it in God's strength. Don't come out of here saying, okay, got it, I, I got this, and we're going to do it. No, you're saying, God, in you, I can do this, and it, you don't have to, you know, you don't have to flex, you don't have to yell. When You just push back and say, no, my mind, I have authority. Satan will try to convince you you don't have authority over your own mind. That's not true. We have authority over our minds. It may have been that we yielded to something so many times, it feels like we don't. But it's not true. It's just like you go in, you know, have a you know, favorite food that you've eaten for 10 years, and it's this little thing that you go and, and get, and you know it's not good for you, but you're so used to eating it. It becomes autopilot. After you get done with this, you get that. It may feel like you don't have, you have to, but no, somewhere along the lines, you decided. And if you want to change that, it's going to have to be in the middle of going. You're going to have to say, no. And your body may say, yes. We want that. In fact, we want three. But that's where we have to go, no. And your mind will tell you, oh, no, this is where we go. We think about this and then and just, no, not going there. God, God's word's different. I'm not going to yield to that. And your mind will be like, yeah, but we always know. Going, we're thinking different. We're free, and we're going in a different direction. We think differently. And with God's help, we can cut something off that's been there for years and years, and then we say, oh, wait, there's a different way, and boom, the wood is chopped, done. You're thinking, what? What? They, they make those? How come nobody said anything about this before? You just pull it, get it going, and that is done? This is true. God's word's true. Well, but I've never experienced But God's right. Don't matter. It doesn't matter where we're at. It doesn't matter what situation, where we are in the process. It's the same for everybody. Everybody is renewing their mind, and everybody has things that are, are, are trying to keep you 
Now, Satan's not going to give up ground easily. As you move to the next step, he's going to try to pull you back. But one thing will work, and may, it, it, it works across whatever situation you're in, whatever phase you're in, is that we push back and we stand our ground. You stand your ground until that's not a temptation. You're past it. And it, it, it hits places like that. You know, if you, if you are not used to coming to church, I'm just using this as a general example, because we talked about this years ago. It will be a challenge every time you come. It'd be like, no, I'd rather stay in bed. But eventually it gets to the place where it's like, no, that's what we do. You may have a fleeting thought, but it's like we're going. Could be school, could be whatever. No, there'd be times where, you know, you get to the place where you're like, no, I'm not eating that. Nope, I've already come over here, and it doesn't have the pull on you. But the, the, the process is the same. When we're pushed in anything that would not pass the test of it's godly, it's trying to bring me in a different place, then we stand. We push back and we just hold. We stay there. We stay there until.